0: Thanks for joining us today for the Fellowship Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, visit FBCPanamaCity.com. Now, here's today's message. Colossians chapter number one. I want us to look at verses 21 through 23 this morning. This is our sixth uh, sermon uh, in the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter number one, and we'll look at verse number Twenty-one. The Bible says this, And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If ye continue in the faith grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. This morning, I want to preach on this subject, a complete reconciliation. Complete reconciliation. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we do love you. We're so thankful that you've already met with us this morning through the singing and the worship. God, we are truly thankful for the blood this morning. We're thankful that you have saved us for all of eternity. God, we pray that as we get into your word today, that as we look at this reconciliation that we have in Christ, that we would become, uh, today, we would just be rejoicing and thanking you for what we have in Christ. And Lord, if there's someone here today that has never been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, that today, that would be the day of their salvation, would be the day of their reconciliation. And they too can rejoice this morning of what they have in Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you would be with me this morning. I need you. Father, I pray that you would fill me with your, with your spirit, and that God, you would, you would help me to speak only what you would have me to say. Lord, I pray that you would be seen through your word this morning. And we'll thank you and we'll praise you because you are worthy in Jesus name, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Over the last couple of weeks, Paul is speaking, he has been speaking against the gnostic, false teachers who were teaching in that day and age that Jesus was not the God man, that he was not fully God, and, and he was not fully man at the same time. And we've looked at verses 15 through verse number 20, and Paul literally gives them a textbook on theology, doesn't he? I mean, he just lays it out for the believers there in Colossians. He says Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is God. He he goes on to say that he is the firstborn of every creature. That Jesus is the one that created all things, the things that we see and the things that we do not see. He's created them all. He goes on to say that Jesus is the head of the church. Amen that he is the firstborn uh, from the dead and he deserves the preeminence in all things. That's in every aspect of our life. He deserves to be first. He goes on to say that, that it pleased the father that in him, in Christ, the Godhead would dwell in Christ bodily. Putting, what Paul was doing is he was, he was putting an end to the questions of Christ's deity there. He was was giving them a textbook on theology. He goes on to say that Jesus had made a way of peace between us and God through his blood, through his death on the cross. I'm thankful for the textbook of theology that Paul gives in these few verses, amen? And if you have someone that you're witnessing to, maybe a Jehovah's Witness, and they say, oh, Jesus was not God, or, or you might be dealing with someone who believes in evolution and says, uh, Jesus did not create everything. And you take him to Colossians chapter one, verses 15 through 20. It's a, it's a textbook on theology, but understand Paul moves from that textbook to now a personal use of who Jesus is. He says in verse number 21, he says, and you, he gets personal. You understand that if all of these things in verses 15 through 20 are not, and they do not become personal, then they are meaningless in our life. So today I want us to see, according to the scripture, how, how we that have trusted in Jesus's completed work to save us from our sin and our guilty standing before God, how we have been completely reconciled. Amen? when it comes to our relationship with a holy God and how also today you who have not been reconciled to God can be through Jesus Christ. Number one, as we look at this complete reconciliation, I want us to see who we were, who we were. And it's amazing how God gives us this. When you go through a book of the Bible, it's just his timing is perfect. As we come upon this Thanksgiving week, we look at who we were before Christ. It gives us a greater understanding, a greater thankfulness of who we are now in Christ. But I want us to look at verse number 21. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. Paul's speaking to believers here and he says, and you. He's saying, he says that this is who you were. You were stuck in this certain state before God with no way out. This is who you were. He says that you were sometime, meaning at a previous time before you knew Christ, you were alienated. Alienated means, meaning in sin, we were aliens. Not like ET phone home, okay? Not those type of aliens. But we were aliens. We did not belong in the kingdom of God. We were. Foreigners. We were not citizens of his kingdom. We were alienated. Foreigners. But he goes on to say uh, uh, um, that uh, not only were we alienated, but enemies in our mind by wicked works. Now we might not have thought that we to be enemies of God, but because of our sin, there was a great gulf fixed between us and a right relationship with God. We were enemies you see enemies in mind meaning we had the natural tendency to do wrong things we had the natural tendency to do the wicked works because we were enemies the result was continued evil works and the crazy thing to think about is while we were alienated while we were enemies of god he still loved us he came looking for us. And understand today that we now love him because he first loved us, even though we were in that state with God. Aliens, enemies. The Bible tells us that there is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible also tells us that we all fall short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us that our righteousness, the things that we do, that we think to be righteous are as filthy rags in God's eyes. And yet, he still loved us. The Bible talks about this condition that we were in all throughout Scripture. It was a a horrible condition that we found ourselves in. Paul says we were aliens. We were enemies. I think of Adam and Eve. They They were able to walk in the cool of the day with God. They had fellowship with God. But once they sinned, that fellowship was broken. They had to leave the presence of God within that garden, didn't they? They did not belong. They were now alienated. They were now enemies in their minds toward God. They no longer belong because of their sin. The Bible says, because of one man's sin, sin entered into the world and death by sin, for all have sinned and all that have not yet trusted in Jesus Christ still remain to be alienated from God and enemies of God in your mind. That's where you find yourself. Paul's reminding them of who they were before Christ. Sometimes it's good for us to look back at who we were before Christ because it gives us a much greater appreciation of who we are now in Christ. Paul wants us to see here This is who you were, Christian. Alienated. Enemies of God without hope. Understand that he says, and you. He's getting Percival. It's not someone else's ancestry.com. It's your ancestry.com. That was a joke. You can laugh. Listen, aliens. Enemies. Enemies. That's who we were, and that's who you are if you have never placed your faith in what Jesus did for you. You might ask, what what did Jesus do? Well, we see number two, what Christ did. In this complete reconciliation, we see who we were, but we see what Christ did. Look at verse number 21. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. Paul says, yet now. That was then, but this is now. Aren't you thankful for the now? Aren't you thankful for who you are now because of what you decided to do with the completed work of Jesus Christ? With the gospel of Jesus Christ? Listen, at this moment is what he means. At this present state in Christ, if you are saved, he has Reconciled you. Now, this is who you were, but now hath he reconciled. That word reconciled, it means to restore someone to right relations with another after a presumed wrong. Word reconcile throughout in the Bible, it has two extended metaphors that the Bible uses. The first one that we see is a judicial metaphor when it comes to reconciliation. So, so I want you to picture here's, here's God and he's, he's judging the universe. He's judging sin, our sin, in His righteousness and, and in His holiness. And God is on the throne and you and, and me, we're, sta- we're standing in the courtroom. We're looking at God and, 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 and understand, God begins to bring the evidence against us. By the way, God knows everything about you. There's no hiding it. He knows everything about you. And as he looks at you, he thinks of the evil deeds, guilty. He thinks of the evil thoughts that you have in your your mind, guilty. But then Jesus steps in, amen? Jesus steps into the courtroom and he says, hey, I want to take every single crime that this person has ever committed or or that he will ever commit in his life, and I want to put it on myself. I want to put it on myself. I will pay his debt. Debt. That is what Jesus did when he died on the cross for your sin. That's what he did. That is what Jesus did when he died. He paid the penalty of sin for you and for me. He didn't only pay for it, but the Bible says he became it. He became our sin. The one who knew no sin. That we might become the righteousness of God. In him. So there's that aspect of this judicial reconciliation. And as Jesus comes in and says, Hey, I'll take it all on me, then God looks at us through his son, Jesus, and he says, Not guilty, reconciled, justified. But then also there's a personal, there's a personal metaf- extended metaphor. You see, to be reconciled is all about the relationship being restored between you and God. So in that metaphor, we were friends. We were friends, Adam and Eve. They walked with God in the cool of the day. They talked with one another. They enjoyed each other's presence. There was friendship. There was a relationship there. But sin severed all of that. Sin destroyed All of that. That was then, listen, it alienated sin, alienated us from life with God. It caused us to be at enmity with God in our minds and in our actions. Then came God and he loved us, amen. He died for us. He took our sin upon him that he might impute his righteousness to our account. That was reconciliation, that was restoring a relationship with himself. The Bible says being born again into the family of God. Being born again into his family. You understand today that now we have a relationship with him. We can now call him Abba, Father. We are his children. It's now a close personal relationship, not because of what you did, not because of what I did, but because of what Jesus Christ did for us. Called reconciliation. How is this reconciliation possible? The Bible goes on to say, Yet now hath he reconciled, how? In the body of his flesh through death. Through what Christ did. The lost relationship between people and God can be restored because of what Jesus did. He died, he was judged in our place for our sin on the cross. I love that song, Jesus. Paid it all, all to him I owe. Listen, sin had left the crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. That's Jesus. That's reconciliation through his blood. Reconciliation with God can be offered us because of the life and the death of Jesus Christ. The fullness of God in human flesh. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Aren't you thankful that it's a gift? It's a free gift. Notice also in this passage that in order to redeem humans, in order to reconcile humans to God, Christ himself had to become truly human. That's why he said, Paul doesn't, mistake on his words. That's why he says, in the body of his flesh. That's important for us to know. In the body of his flesh, Christ's real physical body and death were necessary for man's salvation. Man was alienated from God, but Jesus lived in perfect harmony with God. We were hostile toward God, enemies of God. Jesus was a friend of God. Our actions were evil. Jesus did only the works of God. And now we can be reconciled to God through Christ's death. Listen, who we were. Sometimes it's good for us to look back at who we were before Christ and know exactly what he did for us. That through him, we can be reconciled to God but why did he do it? Why did Christ do this? Why, why did he, sometimes you get the answer, well, he did it just so we can go to heaven. That's not why Jesus did it. Heaven is a wonderful blessing of it. Amen. But he wanted that, he wanted that relationship restored. He wanted a relationship. That's why Jesus did it. That's why he went to the cross. Why Christ did what he did is our, our, our third point. Why Christ did what he did. Bible, the Bible tells us. In the body of his flesh through death, here it is, to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If ye continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven. Whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Why did Christ do what he did? Verse number 22 gives us the purpose. To present us holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in God's sight. That's why he did it. To present you and I is the ultimate purpose of reconciliation. The Bible says in Ephesians 5, verse 27, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. That word to present uh, you holy in his sight means that to present us before God as he looks at our soul. As he looks at our soul, listen, understand Christ's death is is the basis for justification. It is the basis for sanctification. He cleans us, And makes us holy. How is this possible? Because Christ's righteousness becomes our righteousness. That's how it's possible. That through him, you are righteous before God. What an amazing truth. As a result of Christ's reconciling work, it is to present believers as holy in his sight without blemish. When you belong to God, you are set apart as someone special. You understand you have a special purpose? Holy in this context here means to set aside to be dedicated to God, to be set aside, to serve him, to live for him. That does not mean that you're sinless. It doesn't mean that you're perfect, but God, it means that God has erased our sinful record and accredited to our account Christ's perfect record. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians verse 21, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Listen, he pronounced us justified after we acknowledged our sinfulness and we placed our faith in Jesus as Savior. Listen, Christians are not only holy and unblameable, but the Bible says in Christ we are unreprovable, meaning also we are free from any accusation. Listen, we're all guilty of sin, right? But we're free from that accusation in Christ. Not only one who is free of all charges, but one against whom charges will not be recognized. The accused are beyond reproach and the condemned are free if they are reconciled with God. What hope we have through Jesus Christ. What hope we have. As I was sitting there studying on Friday in my office, I was going through this passage of scripture and I got a notification on my phone. And it was the, the, the verdict of Kyle Rittenhouse. Now, I'm not here to, to give my opinion on the whole thing. You decide for yourself what you feel about it. I'm not trying to get political, but as I looked at that, I clicked on that, that that button. And it took me to the place where the lady was standing there. And as she began to read the counts that were accused that he was accused of, she said, in the first count we find the accused, not guilty. As I'm watching this, and they say as the second count, as we we see the accused, not guilty. And the third count, we see the accused, not guilty. Fourth and fifth, we see all of these counts against this man We find the jury, we find this man not guilty. And as I'm reading this passage of Scripture, I think of what Jesus did for us. And we were guilty and we were standing there before God and we were guilty of all the counts of sin in our life. And because of what Jesus did for us, we are now reconciled to God. And God looks at us and He says, you're not guilty anymore. You have eternal life through my Son, Jesus Christ. And as I sat there, I began to just cry and say, God, we take it for granted what we have in you. That young man, he, as he heard those, that verdict read, he collapsed and fell in his chair because it meant so much to him. And often we live our lives just like, we don't care about any of this because of what, the way we live our life. Listen, we need to take it personally, what Jesus has done for us. Just like that individual, we stand before God and He says, Hey, all these counts against you, you're not guilty. Because of what Jesus did. Jesus did what he did to inwardly, spiritually change us. But I also believe, according to this verse, verse number 23, he also did what he did to change us outwardly. Verse number 23, let's read it. It says, If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. We look at this and we say, well, what is the Bible saying here? I mean, this, these are hard words to hear. These are hard words to understand. Are we saying that Paul is, is saying that a person is only saved if they continue to hold on? Is Paul saying that, that we must continue to show the fruits of righteousness? No, that's not what this verse is saying. It doesn't mean that I'm saved by holding on. It does not mean, it's not saying that my continued good works is a requirement for salvation. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. But that word if here is a, is a first-class conditional statement. It's a fancy way of saying since. You, you can replace that word with since. What Paul is saying is, Verse number 23 is the reality of a true believer. It's the reality of a true believer. And if you don't agree with me, you can study it for yourself. The reality of a true believer. The Bible is saying just because you prayed a prayer along the way or just somewhere along the way, you said, you know what? I believe God. I believe in God. That, that, that equates to salvation because it doesn't. You see, true salvation is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God that will produce and should produce change in your life. The Bible says if we, or since we, because we, verse number 23 is not a condition for salvation. I wanna be clear. It's not a condition for salvation. It is a consequence of salvation, of a complete reconciliation in Christ. You see, Paul is saying, if you just have a head knowledge and you still have the same sinful habits and they don't bother you, and there's no desire for God or for his word in your life and you sin and you have no guilt, there is no conviction for that sin. You can go weeks on end without talking to God and it does not bother you. Paul is saying, hey, listen, you better look inward. You can study it for yourself. It's not my job to sit here and say, anyone in this room is saved or not saved. Not my job. But are there people who go to church week after week after week that are not saved? Yes. Jesus said in his own words, he said, people will come to me and they'll say, Lord, Lord, I did all these works in your name. I cast all these devils out in your name. And what is Jesus gonna say? He's gonna say, depart from me, ye worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Listen, it's not what you do periodically. It's not what you do robotically. It's who you are and who you know. Have you been saved? Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Is there the inner voice of the Holy Spirit? Because the Bible says in Romans 8, 9, now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. I'm not saying you're going to live perfectly because we will struggle with this sin nature until we see Jesus Christ. But are you continuing in the faith? Are you grounded and settled as Paul says? Are you holding on to the hope of the gospel? Is there a burden in your heart to become more and more like Christ? Is there shame when you sin against a holy, righteous God? Or is it just a game that we play? Because understand today, the Christian life is not a game that we play. It's not a game in this life. The question for today is, have you genuinely been saved? I'm not trying to help to get you to doubt your salvation this morning because it's very clear. If you've trusted Jesus Christ as your personal savior and you have that indwelling Holy Spirit in you, you are saved. It's very clear. But because we find here, if you've been genuinely saved, I believe verses 22 and 23 will be the internal and eventually the external evidence of your salvation. I can't judge you. Like I said, I don't know what's in your heart, but as Paul said to a church in Corinth, he said, let every man examine himself. Let every man, let every woman examine themselves. Church, let us take this truth of this complete reconciliation that we have in Christ and let us take it personally. As we go throughout this Thanksgiving week, would we look at it and say, hey, I I remember who I was. I was alienated. I was an enemy of God in my mind by my works. But Jesus came and he died for me and he shed his blood so that his righteousness can become my righteousness. And he's reconciled me to God, but why did he do it? He didn't do it just so that he could save me. He did it so that I could become more and more like his image. That's why he did it. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to continue serving him. Would you take this complete reconciliation personally in your life? Be thankful for it. Be thankful for it. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Fellowship Baptist Church. Come visit us at 2501 Michigan Avenue, Panama City, Florida. For more information or to donate to this ministry, visit fbcpanamacity.com. Have a great week.